Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Let's go there! Presented by Luke's Pizzas. Remember, football is crazy, love is blind. Good luck, football, what a story. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romaine. I'm talking about sports, and I'm coming. Now introducing your host, Tanner Retz. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is. This is Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Alongside me, I got Lucas Clark and Nigel Romain, and we got brand new equipment. We have a loyal listener, our buddy Pete. I don't know if he actually is a loyal listener, but he is a fan of the show, and he has donated us some very high-tech equipment here, and you're going to notice that our voices sound really good. I hope so. We should be able to potentially get some callers in in the future. We've been talking about that fun segment, so uh, more information about that later. And, boys, welcome aboard the show, live at the uh, Lunch Pail headquarters. New Year, new us. Big things happening over here. Yeah, big things. So, kind of a breakdown of what we have going on today. We're going to go ahead and talk about the dumpster fire that we call Seattle Sports that we've had gone on. We'll go into a little bit of UW, NFL, uh, Seahawks, uh, coaching prospects, and then also we're going to have a fun little segment at the end, so make sure you listen to the whole episode that we have our best and worst takes of the first season, the first year of the podcast. You guys may not believe this, but we are actually about to hit our year anniversary. I believe the anniversary is February 14th, so that's also exciting. Day of love, also day of bring your lunch pail. Yeah. What's more important to celebrate, honestly? feels like bring your lunch pail i agree to be honest. i agree anyone who's going out with their girlfriends or wives that day and not listening to the pod with the boys sorry that's <laughs> you're sorry <laughs> you're sorry <laughs> poor excuse all right before we get into it do you guys have any fun updates life updates what's been going on with you guys since we last talked to the listeners last that week was, that wasn't on the uh, episode outline so i didn't come prepared <laughs> <laughs> You guys know we do our homework here. Um, it was a really sad week last week. There was a lot of, I don't know. It was a it was a brutal week. Losing the losing the national championship game, losing Kalen DeBoer. I I was doom scrolling for like eight hours straight all day on Friday, waiting waiting for news, waiting for my predictions to come true that he was actually signing with the Huskies. <laughs> Yeah, spoiler so. alert for best and worst predictions of the year. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely one one in there. Um, we tried to play volleyball the other day. How'd that go, guys? Uh, we didn't play volleyball. That's how that <laughs> the keyword tried. <laughs> yeah, but on the good news, we got signed up on the uh, the Seattle Parks Pass or whatever the hell the thing's called. So uh, we'll be ready to go here shortly. Yeah, plenty of sports stories coming soon. Okay, so obviously our lives are pretty boring and we have really nothing to hit on. So let's just jump right into it. As I said, Seattle Sports World turned into an entire dumpster fire with the uh, firing of Pete Carroll, which we already broke that down, but we also had Kalen DeBoer, the news on that that everyone knows about at this point. So let me ask you guys this. What was your initial reaction when you saw the Kalen DeBoer news? Were you shocked by it? I was... 
I was pretty surprised. If you listened to the podcast last week, I thought that he was definitely going to be re-signing, um, announcing a, a deal. But at the same time, does anything shock me in college football these days? Not really. But I thought, I thought he was going to be back. But once I heard in the morning when I woke up that he had he had uh, called out from KJR, he was supposed to have an 8 a.m. hit with them. I did not feel good about it. And I, I thought it was a, pretty confident it was over at that point. And that's when the doom scrolling that I mentioned uh, started pretty early on in the day, waiting for any news, hoping that I, I think it was uh, Jordan Reffitt tweeted it out. And it was like my entire like life was thinking, or I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but I was like, this is what I need in my life to hear this. He's, he's like, I wouldn't, I would lock uh, if I was, if I was uh the AD, I would lock him in a room right now and not let him leave until there's a, there's a deal signed. And I was like, that's right. We need to, that's what we need this energy right here. Two hours later, he's, he's Bama's head coach and it's all over. So, um, yeah, I was, I was definitely a bit surprised. I thought, I thought that he was who he said he was going to be and wanted to be a, a dog coach for a long time. And that was not the case. Yeah, I mean, when we left off on our conversation last time about it, I had at least posited the idea that he was going to show up for that 8 a.m. spot on KJR to say his goodbyes. Like, it was a possibility. But I think I told you this, Nigel, is that basically once we got done recording, started the doom scrolling on Twitter and saw that, like, Softy had said that his agent is, like, Jimmy Sexton or whatever who represents Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell, Dabo Sweeney, Lane Kiffin, and like a handful of other coaches in the SEC. And I was like, I wish I would have seen this before we recorded because I would have made it yeah, hard. I meant, I meant to mention that last week because I had seen it like a couple days before that. And... Yeah, I didn't see that until after we recorded. And I was like, this is done deal. Like, that's what these agents do. That's why they all interviewed for it is that he's just getting them. He's getting himself paid is that I don't and not to bounce around too much, but, you know, I saw a bunch of people a slamming Kalen DeBoer for not being loyal and we can unpack that more and then propping up Dan Lanning for being loyal and more than Kalen DeBoer, you know, loyal, (laughs) loyal, but and staying and not turning his back on the Ducks is like, I don't know that either of those guys actually, him and Mike Norvell actually got offered the job. I haven't seen any reporter say Dan Lanning was offered this and he declined it. No, I think Kalen DeBoer was their number one. He was their number one and Jimmy Sexton is just being a good agent. So he's getting all of his clients to go in there and then get extensions because they're interviewing for the job when, yeah, I, I, do think that Kalen DeBoer was Bama's number one target. Jimmy Sexton makes sure he gets all of his guys in there. They all get raises. DeBoer gets his contract. And Jimmy Sexton makes money on all of them across the board. So when I saw that... Really really a brilliant move by that agent. He he cleaned yeah. house on that. And I've seen, you know, it's hard to tell these days, but I've seen the conspiracy theories out now that DeBoer was interviewing for the job the week of the national championship game while he was in Houston. Uh, I know Dan Lanning was also in Houston because I saw him on the pregame coverage. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if the agent kind of put together some kind of multiple interview situation. Even Norvell was there too. I think he was on college game day that um, earlier in the day. So all those guys were 
present that day at the national championship game. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they're, if they did some kind of three person interview, got them all checked off at once. Did their pre-interviews. Yeah. But it's sad. Yeah. I also saw too, that UW's AD was doing an interview the other day on seven ten, And he also mentioned that cause they asked him, when did you have kind of a bad feeling about things with Kalen DeBoer? And they, and he mentioned that it was around the Apple Cup Thanksgiving. They already threw down a very um, heavy offer his way with a lot of money, and he turned he turned it, turned it down and just walked away from it. And they knew at that point that they needed to start preparing for a new coach. Yeah, I think the funny thing with that is is that I'd seen some people kind of use that and say they like they thought that Alabama knew that Nick Saban was going to walk away like back in November. Although I also listened to Nick Saban do his interview and you know, all these guys say what's whatever's convenient. So like take it with a grain of salt. But he said he literally didn't know if he was going to say I'm resigning or I'm coming back until like five minutes before he went up to the podium. That might all be lip service because all these guys, but that's what he said. I honestly think that Kalen DeBoer was holding out for the Michigan job. I don't know if I ever said that on the pod before, but it's like, that would seem like the spot I would be worried that he would have left UW for because he's, you know, he's, he's a Dakota guy. guy. He's a Midwest yeah. guy. And obviously Harbaugh has been tied to NFL jobs going back to last year. And so I thought he was – I still think that Harbaugh is going to leave for the NFL, whether they won the national championship or didn't this year, that he was going to leave. Seems even more fitting that you leave a national champion. But whatever, yeah. we can get more he, into the coaching car- the NFL coaching carousel. But – I, I was thinking that he would be – Dannon puts out a great offer to him and he doesn't sign it around the Apple Cup. It's because he's thinking he'll go take the Michigan job, not the Alabama, and then that opens up. Yeah, I find it hard to believe that that the agent didn't know that he was going to retire. I, you know, yeah. I think that's I think that's BS. Like I said, take you it know. with a grain of salt. That's <laughs> yeah. what he said is that five minutes before he's still like, am I going to go say I'm retiring? Or am I going to say I'm coming back for another year? It's still up in the air. And then he obviously decided to retire. Might all just be BS, but he said it, so you got to at least take some. Got to take him at his word to some degree. You can take him at his word and say he's a liar. I guess if you <laughs> yeah. if you want, but I did not pay those kids serv- <laughs> anything yeah. for their football services. I'm also retiring. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. But that's that's neither here nor there. So with that said, too, now we got Jed Fish coming in from Arizona. Do you guys believe that he can be the savior of this Huskies? Did you did you like the signing when you initially saw it? You, I'll go ahead. Um, I still, I don't know. I'm I'm still on the fence about it. I think, I think out of probably the people that are available, he's probably the best that was within reach, right? I mean. I know we were all hopeful it was a pipe dream, but kind of hopeful that Chris Peterson would just dust off the cape, come out of retirement, and decide to come back. And we had kind of talked about maybe a dream, dreamish scenario where either Chris Peterson or Pete Carroll was like, I'll come be the Husky coach for like three years, just kind of shepherd you into the Big Ten while you get your legs wet or feet wet or whatever the saying is. And get you at least there and get you winning games while you figure out who the next guy is 
So I was a little hopeful for that, but that's obviously, like I said, a pipe dream. So Jed Fish is probably the best that was available. I just, I still have my concerns and DeBoer had similar concerns is that it's like the guy has bounced around constantly and really he's done a nice job at Arizona, but he's only had one good year. So does that make him a really good, how many coaches have had one good year and that's it? Plenty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. TCU and Sonny Dykes, like, he had bounced around and had some... Sonny Dykes long... has at least had some some other stops along his career that were pretty successful. Yeah, he's had more success, but yeah. even, like, you can't look at his one year with TCU when they go to the playoff and be like, this guy's a bona fide great coach. It's like, well, you can look at the rest of what he's done, and it's been good, but not not great. Yeah, so, I, I agree. It's not putting fans in the seats. Yeah. I, I can't you don't you don't want to fault a guy for like changing his stars you know because he's a guy who comes from no football experience so he's he's bouncing around job to job taking the next best thing next best thing like here's the next opportunity here's the next opportunity so I don't want to fault him for for trying new things but it's definitely a little concerning it having only one good season but when he did have some time he, the longest place he stuck around was Arizona and I think that's a pretty good pretty good uh last spot on your resume um i'm i think my biggest concerns with jed fish were how he's handled some of the difficult situations that have come up at arizona while he was there um the whole jane delora saga the multiple things with when jane delora transferred um, to Arizona, there was some kind of shady dealings going on where he was visiting Arizona while he was supposed to be with the, his team at the Sun Bowl in New Mexico, and then he quit at halftime of that game and ended up announcing his his transfer. So that whole thing was a little shady. Also, simultaneously, I kind of like it because it's uh, relentless recruiting and uh, doing whatever you can and whatever. That is you, supposed to be. And, that, the, and I think that's, that's a plus in, in his side compared to Kalen DeBoer is that he is a very good recruiter. And yeah. he, he was already doing a really good job recruiting at Arizona. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, by year two, he's getting the Harbaugh treatment, like getting sanctions dropped on him, missing three games because he's just recruiting. He's just pushing that gray area as far as he can go. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I think that that's – it could be a plus. It's one of those like plus minus things that when you look at it from the outside, it seems shady when it's your program and you're like, yeah, we got a really good quarterback out of that deal though. Maybe I feel a little differently about it. So I think that's a potential plus minus thing, but the real one was the, the Jane Delora civil case. I call it. We kind of touched on it earlier in the year when we played Arizona, Yeah. Um, that Jane Delora has a, a, civil very nasty case and just the way jed fish dealt with all of it and kind of just brushed it under under the rug and was like yeah he's our starter i didn't really didn't really like that yeah what was the case again um him and gene delora and a high school teammate gang raped a girl back back in back in hawaii at high high school. school And it just kind of came out recently this past year. And so I think it was when he was about to transfer. Yeah, I think it was right around this time he was transferring. And I, again, I don't know all the details of all of it, but I do know what I saw from Jed Fish. And that was kind of some indifference, it seemed like. <laughs> and yeah, a little more like, I don't, 
how's the best way to put it? A little bit more like I'm here for wins and losses, not for stuff like that. Yeah, that's that. a civil case, so yeah. that's his problem. Which, I'm not, but I'm not <laughs> – yeah, so I that whole thing definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and, you know, things happen. And, you, and no matter what university you're going to be at as a coach. And so that – handling that in that in the way that he did that worries me a little bit um if if you know the lights get a little bright and you have a, you have sanctions or something what um what how are you going to handle it how's you know how are you going to push things forward how you, how are you going to do the right thing for everybody um so and it might not be a you know it's not necessarily a hard line wins and losses thing but at least as you know, as graduates of the University of Washington, at least try to hold yourself in like have some respect for your university. And I think at least as Husky fans have taken some pride in the fact that it's like Chris Peterson came in and like, that's a guy who ran a clean program, or at least it felt that way. Like, yeah. I mean, we kind of joked about it. I think on the last, I think we joked about it on the last pod that it's like, you had Marcus Peters, who is an NFL all-pro caliber corner, and he kicked him off the team within three three games. Not because he did anything even, like, off the field. It's not like he had a civil case going on, but it's just like, guy's a bad apple in the in there, so we got to get him out. And it's like, that is one of the most talented players that's ever played at UW. But Peterson had no problem kicking him out because he... He needs those OKGs. He had a standard for how his program was going to be run, and if you weren't, like, walking the line, then... You're going to get shipped out. Yeah. And he did that consistently during his time. And then DeBoer got hired and you felt like similar vibes. And we've kind of talked about this throughout the podcast, even going into the season that it's like, you feel confident about what DeBoer is doing. Cause it's not just X's and O's like he has a culture and he's building a program. So on the surface, at least with this one incident, you're seeing a guy in Jed fish is like, is he building the type of culture that I think at least these, at least these UW fans like it's not it is about wins and losses but it's not just about that like you want a program that it's like you don't want the Michigan like your coach sitting out in separate three game suspensions because they're doing stuff or having shady players come in think Florida 2008 with Urban Meyer that it's like and I'm not accusing that Fish is going to bring in this this type of team like instantly and is going to ruin the culture but that is something I have a little yeah. bit of concern for. Um, you you kind of had, you know, you had Sark, who, when he left. He was a little were, fast and loose. A little fast and loose, and, like, kind of some of those some of those players that were like that. Come to find out, he was kind of acting <laughs> acting a little bit, like, uh, out of pocket and not, not really, you know, the type of guy that you want in your program. That, a lot more of that came out later, but... Um, you have that then chris peterson comes in tight ship everything you know everything's buttoned up you know no problems if there are problems the guy's gone or he's suspended or whatever um then jimmy lake instantly the opposite you know and like (laughs) and he was supposed to be the guy though that was going to carry on carry on that peterson legacy but you very quickly saw that that was not the case and and then you hired DeBoer and kind of again back to more of that Chris Peterson style. Definitely a vision of how to run a program comes in. You immediately see it. I mean, we go into that spring game the first year. It was like you instantly saw what, what was going on. You, you could tell 
uh, just by how he was talking, like how he was talking to the fans during the during it and his press conferences. Just the way they got ready like, to run drills, like yeah. everything is like a well-oiled yeah, machine. Like yeah, it's very well regimented. Like you could tell they knew what they were doing. Um, honestly, I haven't listened to much of Jed Fish yet, so I don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he had a thing said. about W's the other day in his last <laughs> press conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't even heard the press conference yet, but. Um, you know, so time will tell, and I'm sure he, the guy's the guy's busy right now. <laughs> he's he's busy trying to lock up a lot of recruits um, and make sure not everyone in the transfer portal goes away. So we'll hear a lot more from him, I think, as time goes on here. Um, but definitely have some some like yellow flags, I guess, as we as we go into it. I do agree with you though, Luke, that he's probably the best available. Yeah, I would have liked to see Lance Leopold. Maybe the guy from Kansas. Yeah. So potentially, but like, he didn't like. Seems more. He that... also didn't like inspire me that much either. You know, I, kind of the same as Jed Fish. Like it's I. You know, I'm kind of middle of the road on it. I think he's so, put a little bit. He has a little bit more of a resume that like I mean he took a trash Kansas team and is like you've seen the progression and they've got better and better now. They haven't had a single yeah. season as Arizona good as Arizona. was also a trash team. And, true, true, and, true. Uh, was really good. So I'm, I'm curious. I guess we'll get into this more in a minute, but I'm just curious to see um, who comes along with Jed Fish. I know there's still some question marks there, um, and like learning more about the coaching staff in particular, like what their backgrounds are. Cause I don't know anything about, I, I keep seeing them pop up on, on go Huskies, you know, on Instagram, like welcome coach so-and-so of the, you know, the DB room. Don't know a thing about them, what their background is yet. So excited to find out more about some Learn of those more guys. Over time. It was the same when DeBoer came in. Yeah, exactly. You hear all these guys and you know that they've been a part of his staff for a long time, but it's like, I don't know who these guys are. I don't know who Ryan Grubb is, but they tell me he's good. Yeah. So now we'll go find out by going to spring game, hearing more interviews. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to you know, kind of go through that process again and, find you know, learn more about these guys and and uh, tell all of you more about these guys since you, you probably are not uh, psychopaths listening to uh, the backgrounds of the uh, DB's coach and getting, getting jacked about it like I am. So... Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it sounds like, too, that his offensive coordinator is actually Pete Carroll's son. So yeah. that, that's kind of cool. I mean, I, that was something I was going to ask you guys. Do you think that's going to have any kind of influence of Pete Carroll being involved in the program and possibly help with boosters and raising money and helping with recruiting as well? I hope so. Like, I would think that if if you can use that resource, get them in there, help with NIL deals, help with recruiting. If, in any way you can. If he doesn't have another job, then I would say yes. Yeah. If if he gets hired elsewhere, then you probably don't get as much of that. But if he's if he's still you know if he's still unemployed and still living in Seattle, I don't see why he wouldn't want to be a part of it and help his son kind of bolster his career well, and go get legacy the, the Carroll legacy in Seattle. Go get the Chargers job. So then when uh, Brennan Carroll's on a recruiting trip down in L.A., that uh, <laughs> he's got like, a place to stay. <laughs> No, I say tell tell dad to come along. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm about to go. Yeah. I'm about to go talk to this player here. You want to you want to tag along here? You want to call up Will Ferrell too for us? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Do you guys think that Jed Fish is going to have enough time at this point with all the graduates and the guys going into the NFL draft and the tra- everything that's gone on with the transfer portal and recruiting itself? Do you think he has enough time to build a serviceable team that could be competitive next year? That is the <laughs> million-dollar question that I think it's tough because you're going to miss – most anybody he brings in unless they come in from Arizona right now or either or Arizona Bama. or Bama or stay or, from Washington or, or Michigan if or Michigan. if Jim Harbaugh leaves cuz you don't yeah so any of those guys are the those are the only ones that are going to be able to play in spring ball because the next transfer portal opening is after all spring ball it's ends. May 1st something like that something like is that, when I the next is when the next transfer late portal April, opens early May something like that so so a second part of that question as well, do you guys think do you think with Jetfish being hired, the guys that were sitting in limbo that were in the transfer portal leaving UW, do you think that hiring is going to convince guys to come back? Someone like Austin Mack. Austin Mack is already a member of Bama. He's the first person to oh, really? Yeah, I, he, I did not tonight, see that. tonight he was the first person to. There you uh, go. There's some breaking news coming from Breaking <laughs> yeah. Lunch Bill Sports Podcast. Yeah, he was the, became the first uh, official new transfer wow that under, is uh, uh kalen DeBoer. so austin mack had, will not, had a feeling on that one austin mack will not be <laughs> part of that um i also saw the will rogers find a home yet no no will rogers hasn't found oh, a home yeah, yet I seen. i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed that he might end up there uh back at uw i saw parker brailsford uh entered the portal he was the last of the linemen that hadn't um so hoping that they can they can bring him back but his uh his only scheduled tour right now, I believe, is at Alabama. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I saw, too. Um, so that that's looking a little bleak as well, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, like I said, though, is that this cycle might be really difficult, but this is supposed to be a strong suit of Jed Fish's recruiting, and part of recruiting is transfer portal recruiting. So might not you might not see the team round out more until May. So spring ball might be pretty light, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I think now they said is that there's not a single person in the two deeps from from the national championship game that's on the roster anymore. At least the first string guys, yeah. I think the two deeps. Uh, Tristan Dunn is still there. It, he hasn't entered the portal. He was on, was he, he on the two? He deeps? He was on the two deeps. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of them, but yeah, there but, are not many. Um, yeah, it's oh, and Tupatala. Um, oh, that's right. I did see Tupatala. Tupatala's on there. Um, Carson Bruner's still, still on there. Yeah, so there's a couple. There's but. A, yeah, so there's a few, but it's and I do think that he's going to bring some of those guys back. I I think a few of them will end up end up straggling back. And I mean, at this point, you honestly, if you're a player, it's like it's in your best interest if you have the opportunity, like you're allowed because your coach left to enter the portal at the very least to try to get a better NIL deal to come back to your own school. Yeah. I like, fully agree with that. If if I was on the team, I would do the same thing no matter, you know, no matter how much I love you, Dub, I would do the same thing because <laughs> you might as well, you might as, yeah, you might as exactly. You might as well see what's, see what's out there and you get a free opportunity to, you can always come back in, but you might as well see maybe someone values you at double the amount and that's where you want to, what you want to do. So, did you guys um, see where Meech Powell went? He go to Michigan? No, to the U. He went to Miami. Oh, really? that's right. That's right. I did see that. I, I didn't say, see I that. know I saw it. And yeah, it's because somebody said he's, Cam fo- Ward. he's following Cam Ward. Hmm. 
which is interesting. That's I thought that was an interesting place to choose from everywhere you could have went to Miami. Yeah, I I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know. Mario Cristobal. Did we reach out to him to see if he wanted uh, to come on and uh, explain himself? And explain, yeah, we explain did. Why we did reach out to yeah. go to Miami. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, like I said earlier when we first started the episode, we do now have the ability to take callers. So if Mish Powell <laughs> is listening to the show, feel free to call in. Uh, I think Luke gave out his number last week on his pizza <laughs> ad. So just call that number and we'll get you hooked up. <laughs> Uh, I think Elijah Jackson is also still. I think you're right about still that. On the, uh, I got some younger guys too yeah. that are still there. I see uh, Caleb Presley has been pretty big on, which he was a big time recruit in a corner that has been pretty big. We'll see the last, but pretty big time on being like, I'm not leaving. Time to re-recruit the squad back. Yeah. So there's always going to be guys, but. And I I hadn't I haven't heard anything about the uh, um, the guy from Cal, the receiver. Um, yeah, and, I haven't seen anything there. And same so. with the the ASU guy Green, the interior D lineman. I haven't heard anything about them re-entering the portal, which is a good sign, I guess. Um, also heard because Fafita and McMillan haven't entered the portal for Arizona yet, but I I saw or I heard that the I think it's an incoming freshman um, quarterback who's a higher higher rated quarterback than uh, Fafita he has entered the portal and so be curious if that uh, if that well, can... they have their own podcast those two guys and they were on there the other day and didn't say it explicitly but seemed to hint at that they're not going anywhere gotcha but I've also seen kind of conflict well it's more conjecture than it is reporting but it's like they hired that new coach the guy from like San Jose State that they make it sound like nobody at Arizona really likes. Right. And they're bringing, I think they're bringing in somebody too that they all don't like. And then the one guy, I don't know if it was their wide receiver coach or co-OC, it's like Cummings or something. I think I thought I heard that UW announced that he's joining our staff, which a lot of people thought like if that guy stays, then that's going to be tough to get Fafita and McMillan out of there because I think a lot of people like him. And then I thought I saw that he announced that he's, that he's also following here. Fish. Yeah. So there's, but there's, you know, there's both sides that say, like, looks like he's going to, they're going to transfer for XYZ. And then you have it straight from the horse's mouth with them on their own podcast saying, like, plans not to go anywhere. So that would, to, to legitimately try to answer your original question, which is, will he be able to cobble together a roster that can be competitive next year? I would think that as of today, you're probably going to be very dependent on getting Fafita and McMillan, or at least Fafita. I don't really have a quarterback right now. I'm seeing that uh, Varel tweeted out that the guy is uh, Damond or Damond Williams. He's their four-star quarterback that's coming in this year. He, he has an official visit with Washington this week. Okay, so, so maybe. So maybe, I mean, much like Fafita and Delora, Maybe maybe uh, Jed Fish likes this guy more, and just says, "Hey, he's gonna come, <laughs> come here. I'm good to go." Yeah, might be a growing pain year, but again, it's still early. You hardly know who's on the team right now. Like you start getting some transfers coming in, some guys that are from UW that are in the portal right now decide to stay here. All of a sudden, you have a pretty decent team, and then that's yeah. where also, coaching comes down. After spring ball, too, you know maybe. There's always going to be guys that shuffle. You you find out you're not where you want to be on the depth chart, 
and uh, yeah. you have a whole nother opportunity. It's just, you know, then you're, you're relying on a short fall camp to, to be able to, to put it all together and be ready to go. But it doesn't mean it's not possible. I mean, half these teams was Oklahoma had like 60 transfers come in this last year and went five, six and to start the year. So it is possible if you have it's a good new coach, age of college exactly. People are moving around. So we'll see. All right, I guess that kind of wraps up college football. If you guys, want I have, to... I have okay, one. Here we go. I have one last yes. little thing, just to kind of piggyback off what we said last week, is that I'm wishing the best for Jed oh. Fish, but just like I'd said this last week, that it's like you got Kalen DeBoer. This is you know obviously right before he decides to take the Bama job, but it's like you you got there, and I was kind of talking about how Michigan got there three years in a row, and then they broke through. That it's like. This just needs to be the jumping off point for UW. You got there. You lost in the championship game. But, like, this should be the start of bigger things, not the end. And I guess as a Husky fan, it's just a little disappointing that it's like, in my mind, like I said, that was just step one. DeBoer comes in within two years. He's got you to the playoffs. That's just the start of bigger things. And now you've just kind of lost that momentum. Doesn't mean that Jed Fish can't be the guy that, brings it back and keeps it going. But I do feel like you lost a lot of wind in the sails here with all of this. I mean, and that's obvious you're losing half, half your team, more than half your team, you know, whether it's through the NFL or the transfer portal. I say, fuck that. Bring on Bama. Let's go. <laughs> dogs, we want Bama. Dogs by a million. Dogs by a million. <laughs> Listen, anyone that went to Salton High School, they know adversity equals opportunity. I That's, see this as They great. got a lot of adversity. And they got a lot of you opportunity. Just need to finish, you just need to finish top eight, and we can uh, face ba- number one Bama in the first playoff game. Let's go. Yeah, we'll see if Bama, we'll see if Bama is a one seed because, I mean, it's not like it's not like Kalen DeBoer is left in it for truly greener pastures right now because Bama's got just as many people on the transfer portal as UW does. Yeah. And they got people, they got incoming recruits that are decommitting now too, which honestly is understandable. If Nick Saban's a guy who recruited you and then he leaves, like I don't think it matters how good of a coach or job that Kalen DeBoer's doing trying to recruit him back. It's not Nick Saban. And it goes, it's the same thing we just said with the UW guys. It's like you might as well enter the transfer portal because you can always come back. But you can go find out if – one of these other schools wants to pay you more, so you might yeah, as not well. to get not to get too far off too, but off the rails. But I mean, I think DeBoer is going to find out too real quick. Is that I think we kind of touched on this that Sab- it was Saban's time to leave because of NIL. That's partially because it's a new landscape that I don't think he understands, and honestly, he's used to being the only guy that pays players. Now that other people have an opportunity, I don't think Bama's from what I've seen. I don't think Bama's NIL arm is act. It's no better than Washington's. Bama's NIL arm, like he, so I think he's already seeing that real quick. That it's like they're Bama's not the NIL type of school. They're they're not miles ahead of everybody else. They're just right there in the middle of the pack with a bunch of people. So you're gonna find out real quick that it's like you're not you're not the you might not be the powerhouse that you were before. Yeah, and I think that's what partially why Nick Saban was leaving too. It's not only that it's new new territory with nil it's that they're not before he was they were the top dog yeah now, now you're just texas like a, a&m doubles yeah, there. texas a exactly yeah. and so like you're not the biggest spender out there yeah so you can't 
just buy all the best players like you did pre-NIL. Well, Texas A&M has proven that even if you can buy all the best players, doesn't mean you're going to be good. Yeah, you still got to you still got to be <laughs> you still have to actually still have, have, to have good, good coach. coaching and yeah. but I and put a good team together. But hopefully DeBoer finds out that the grass isn't greener. Yeah. It, that's that's the last thing I want to note on this real quick is had a lot of love for Kalen DeBoer and said a lot of flowery things last week and Kalen DeBoer's a nice guy, but fuck him. All right. If you're not with us, you're against us. That guy's fucking dead to me. Only a Sith deals at absolutes, <laughs> yeah. Nigel. No, that guy's right. no, that guy is dead to me. He, I hope he never says Washington in a fucking sentence again after his final, uh, final thing. Don't care. You're gone. You're dead. I, I want nothing to do with him anymore. I hope he fucking loses. I hope Bama fails because I hate Bama already. I hope I hope they suck. That's my uh, off with his head. Yeah, off with his head. Go be the king of the fucking rats. I hope Bama turns into WSU by by four years from now. Is that your fucking, uh, is that your he fucking drives them <laughs> drives them into the earth? Nigel's trying to put down a early best or worst take of the year by saying that Bama's <laughs> gonna go five and seven next year. God, that would be that would make my make my fucking year, please. Nigel, let me ask you this before we go to the break: Who's gonna be better ranked next year, Wazoo or Bama? Wazoo. By a million. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with you. Hey, it's Luke from Luke's Pizza here. Are you a dirty, filthy little pizza slut? Me too. Luke's Pizza is now accepting orders. If you'd like to place an order, just text the code word pizza slut to 425-350-2379. Feel free to let me know what toppings you'd like on that pizza. I probably won't put them on there, but it's worth a shot. Because at Luke's Pizza, you know the saying, when you're here, your uh, pizza gets it your way. That's Luke's Pizza Promise. All right. And we're back. Thank you to our sponsors. If you want to be a sponsor of the Bring Your Lunch Pill Sports Podcast, please reach out to us and we'll make sure to put you on the show as long as you give us money or merchandise or something to make it worth our while. You thought we were going to talk about the NFL playoffs, but I have a better story for you right now. We had Texas coach Rodney Terry shouting at UCF players over the horns down gesture. I quote, don't do that shit. Is that actually what he said? Yeah, that's an easy. Oh, I thought I thought you were making a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the headline right here with uh, Fox News. <laughs> Didn't wasn't he ho- Fox out, News? Wasn't he hollering out too like that's classless? That's classless. Not only that, he had a press conference after the game and went on for about a minute and a half about how classless it was and how that's just. Yeah, he was saying like we we teach our players here that we uh, we we win. We win with class and we lose with class and classless. It goes along with our point that we made when we were at the Sugar Bowl and just you guys have said this plenty of times in general that Texas fans and Texas in general are just the softest human beings. Just whiny little babies, dude. All of them. They're just wusses. It's honestly upsetting how big a bitches they are. They're from Texas. Yeah. I thought they were supposed to be tough. Big, tough bad, ranch, rugged ranchers. Tough ranchers or something. Listen, Luke, don't mess with Texas, okay? <laughs> yeah. All you have to do to mess with Texas is show horns down and they will they will bow down on their knees got, and cry to you. I really, wanted to, I really wanted to say this, but maybe we'll have to hit the dump button. Is it, uh, you know what they say about Texas? They're only good for... Am I right? <laughs> That's hitting the dump. <laughs> We're hitting the dump button on that. It is funny, though, because I imagine that a lot of Texas fans are probably your typical people that, like, call some individual snowflakes or, like, you know, just 
sheep or wieners about you know certain things. And it's like you guys are the softest individuals. I've, I've over... been in I've been in Texas. They drive they drive the trucks with uh, two wheels in the back. I don't know what they call a that. Dually. But... A dually. A dually. A dually. Yeah, okay. Nigel's yeah. a truck guy. I don't know if you knew. They that. drive yeah. they drive the duallys and stuff, and they take up a lane and a half, and they fucking blow the diesel exhaust out of their smokestack or whatever. That's a Texas rancher truck right there. Uh, and then their fucking panties get in a wad when you hit them with the horns down. That's just despicable. I mean, I said it before, is that they they gave they gave these Texas Longhorns fan fans power and validity when they made it a when the Big Twelve made it a penalty when I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, it was definitely you know, a few years ago when they were giving the horns down sign after they scored a touchdown, and they threw a personal foul or whatever a taunting. I would penalty. take a million yards in personal foul penalties. For, yeah, but then the that. Big Twelve made it so that you couldn't. Do no, that. I, I would. yeah. So it's like now now you've just given given validity to their complaints it's just the softest shit ever. yeah luke you were talking about it too it's like how do you stop a bully you just ignore the insults and you move on and eventually they tire out yeah you just make me want to do it more because it gets a you rise out of you fueling the fire right now but uh, yeah you I don't if know, this dude. blasphemy continues we're gonna have to start a segment just on horns down just like dedicate a like a horns down sport horns. your horns down sportsmanship of the week <laughs> uh, that's a great idea yeah write that down yeah. yeah somebody write that down we don't have paper in front of us all right so let's uh get a breakdown on the nfl playoffs i was unfortunately on a flight uh to vegas when most of the games were going on at least during the uh the first round of it or i guess that would be Friday. There was games on Friday, right? No, it was Saturday. 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 And then Sunday I was working. Um, but I will say I do have beef with Peacock. I don't like that because <laughs> I was flying on a Delta flight in first class on my way to work out to Vegas. And, you know, up at first class or I think just Delta flights in general, like you can watch live TV. So I was like, man, this is perfect. I'm going to be able to catch the Chiefs and uh, Dolphins game. And, of course, like, I'm watching like the pregame show on NBC and then they switch over to Peacock, and it ruins the entire thing. Were you guys even – do we have Peacock here? Were you guys able to watch it? We do, courtesy of a one-time contributor to the show and friend of the show, Shane Moore. Shout out, Shane. We have Hopefully his... no network executives are listening mm-hmm. to us sharing accounts. No, Shane gifted it to us. Oh, okay. Got it. So, uh, I don't know. Give me a breakdown of uh, the playoffs. Were you guys able to watch most of the games, the good, the bad? I didn't. I didn't watch all of them. Nearly, I can't give you a breakdown of uh, each game. Honestly, the the Green Bay, the Green Bay Dallas game was probably the one that I watched the most of. At least the first half, because that was about the only time it was a game. Yeah, and that I, was awesome. I watched a little bit, a little bit more than you did. And boy, um, were we right about Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah. Well, no spoilers on best takes of the year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I th- I think a couple takeaways that uh that i saw were that it seems like uh the wild card week is just a week for the pretenders you know it's like it seems like every single year that wild card week is just like blowout city like there's no good games and that pretty much proved true outside of the lions rams game that that was a a good game game. i guess i watched a lot of that one too that one was a good close game and pretty back and forth um both teams kind of fast and furious and then it slowed down and was much more defensive in the second half. So that, that game was really good. I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, Texas blew the, blew the lid off the Browns, which I was kind of surprised about, but the, that Texans team is, 
uh, kind of fun. You know, they've they've been fun they're all scrappy. year. Yeah, they're, they're explosive. Yeah, exactly. And they 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 took a couple pick sixes back in a row. I think it was like back to back plays. They went pick six. Yeah, on I think them. Joe Flacco had three picks that game. Yeah, two two that Sounds were pick right. sixes on back to back plays or or three plays difference or something like that. So, Came back but, to his former self. Yeah, I think I think he had. It's kind of how he's played the entire time with the Browns, but yeah. their defense has usually been good enough. I don't which, think he'd thrown picks though. I think that was no. He definitely had like a three and a. I thought he had a three pick game and okay. a four pick game okay. since he's joined the Browns. So, but. You know, I'd still give credit to the Browns for what they did because they still got to the playoffs. Is that you at least put a guy in there? Not to make this a Geno Smith Seahawks conversation, but <laughs> but you know, Joe Flacco's at least willing to take a chance. Yeah, that's and some fair. of those yeah. are passes that at least later in the season you saw David and Joku catch and run a lot. Like he had a great season. I mean, uh, Amari Cooper had a 250 yard receiving game late in the year because like you're at least just putting the ball up to him. Yeah, now double-edged sword you do that too many times and defenses pick you off and in this case they take them back for a touchdown so you're gonna get a chance to put your defense on the field to stop them yeah but you know i at least have some respect for the fact that you got a guy that wasn't afraid to go out there and try to make plays will win yeah so that game sucked but fun to see uh, D'Amico ryan's uh be successful i like that uh that chiefs dolphins game i mean, I, I think anyone who has half a brain could have told you that the Chiefs are going to win that game. Not even because I think the Chiefs are that much better, but that game was negative 30. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Miami playing in negative 30-degree temperatures. Like, I don't think they stood a chance. So Yeah, I, I heard someone say, so I'm not going to try to claim that this is my take, but it's like this Miami offense is like a Ferrari. Ferraris aren't made to drive in this kind of weather, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel very good about Miami. And yeah, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't have placed a penny on that on Miami in that game. So um, I do one... think, though, I'll give a little credit to the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes. Is that you can chalk it up to weather and stuff like that too? But you know, I think there's a lot of question marks around this Chiefs team, and we're going to see really if they can answer those questions when they play Buffalo right this week. But Chiefs would still, we didn't really do an NFL playoff preview going into it, into the games last week, but it's like, Chiefs haven't looked that good, but this is why you have Patty Mahomes, this is why you have the best player on the planet, is it like, I would still think the Chiefs, they should be feeling good about their chances. You have a, you have a good defense and you have the best player in the NFL on your team. He's not going to win the MVP this year, but I don't think anyone's arguing that he's still the best player in the NFL, so like, I think they're still a strong team. Yeah, I agree. And we already said that Lions Rams game was good. Um, Steelers Bills, I think same thing. <laughs> uh, I I didn't think the Steelers stood a chance in that game. They're not a. Very I didn't watch team. any of that game because it was during working hours. Yeah, which same, is I didn't. I didn't but either. But it did I sound just, like though the Bills got out to an early lead, and then actually the Steelers buckled down and made it a one score game yeah. late in the game. So it, like it kind of looked like it was a blowout because it ended up yeah. being what fourteen. Yeah, like 31-17 or yeah, something. Yeah, I think but the, I think the Bills punched one in with like three or four minutes left to make it a two score, and that was that probably, was probably too much for Tomlin to keep his job. Unfortunately, <laughs> so like, I was going to yeah. say a quick pause on that. So after the game, Mike Tomlin was asked about his future with the Steelers, and he just gave the reporter a look and walked off. Does that solidify the idea a little bit more that he's out of Pittsburgh and potentially a Seattle I think Seahawks? He's back. They've already announced that he's back yeah. for next year. I was going to say, I, I, I thought I, I saw I, that too. I, I think that was today as well that they announced. Which is smart with all this breaking news. Yeah. Smart move on their part. 
Yeah. This guy said he didn't know we were recording, but clearly he was doing some homework because <laughs> I haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah. Too busy working or whatever. Um, you guys want to talk Cowboys Packers? Want to talk about that one? Let's start there. Let's save the best game for last. <laughs> yeah, we all the... know we all know what the best yeah, game. Let's was. talk about the real pretenders, and that was Philly against. <laughs> no, Tampa. I wanted to say that for last. <laughs> oh wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what that's, yeah, Packers Cowboys. <laughs> Packers Cowboys. Uh, also real pretenders though the cowboys if, yeah. while we're on the note of real pretenders i didn't say it on the pod so it's not going to go as one of my worst takes although i guess it also would have been for 2024 is that i did say before the game i was like i feel like a lot of people are kind of liking the packers in this game this feels like a game that's and i get that because yeah, the cowboys, you said it to, you said it to me when i was cooking breakfast on saturday and i thought you were crazy yeah right. and you would have been right to think <laughs> i was crazy but like i know the cowboys are a have been pretenders under Mike McCarthy, but it's like, I feel like they're, they look really good against bad teams. And they look really bad against good teams. And fortunately for them, they're playing a bad team this weekend in the Packers. So I think the Cowboys are going to be all right. And then they just got, <laughs> just the got doors drowned. blown off. Yeah. One thing in that game though, cause I'm get you didn't see it. I'm guessing tan. And I'd said this about the Huskies in the national championship game. And I like the Packers chances a lot more opening or coin toss. Packers win the coin toss and they elected to receive, which is exactly what I said the Huskies should have done is go out there and score first. You got your yeah, script, go score, mud. go score first, play with a lead. Like I said, the Cowboys, similar to like I said with Oregon and Michigan, is it like they, when they're playing lesser teams, they go out and they score early and then they get stops and then they're up by two or three scores and they just ride it out. Go draw first blood. Make. Make Dak Prescott bring the offense. game to them a little yeah, bit. And... Make them play from a deficit, and you know it's only the first drive of the game, but it's like they went out and then they instantly got a, a stop. I don't think they actually scored on their next drive, but then they got another stop and they scored again, and then they got a pick like on their side of the field, and yeah, then things were rolling, and then the Cowboys looked like the team that they they look like pretenders. Yeah, they got in a deficit and they just crumbled. So I was like. Credit to the Packers for doing at least what I thought the Huskies should have done, which is you're you're the underdog here. You get a chance to take the ball first, take it. And we go want score. the ball and we're going to score. Yeah, go 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 be the aggressor. And so credit to the Packers. I love that. When I saw, it, I was like, oh okay, maybe they are here to play. Jordan Love looked awesome. He looked really good. That's our dude. Healer, dude. You know, I I can't claim to have watched a lot of Packers games this year. That was probably the most snaps I've seen Jordan Love play in a game. I haven't really heard anyone say this, and I know you, you don't want to be the guy that's saying it, that it's like he kind of had some Patty Mahomes in him in that game, in that not like necessarily – I mean, he throws like different arm slots a little bit, but not even that. It was just like sometimes he, he plays under center a lot more than Patty, but he kind of would just do – or it's almost maybe Patty's not the right one, maybe like Fran Tarkenton like back in the day is that he would take the ball under center and then just, like, basically fucking take a seven- or eight-step backdrop, like, just pedal straight back because he's got a big arm, so then you just have all of this space and you can see anybody who's rushing at you, and he would just take... He basically just sprint straight backwards, and then he's just slinging it. But, like, nobody could get him because he would just run back right away. Any of those Cowboys defenders, like, make a nice pass rush. He could see him from a mile away, gets outside, throws, like... Damn, I didn't know Jordan Love was like that. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting just seeing like the eight-step backpedal on most of his dropbacks. Like, 
right from the jump. Yeah, give him give him some. And space Patty does that a lot too. He moves. Yeah, Patty does that a lot too, where he just moves backwards because he has an arm strength to make up for it. So he'll just keep dropping backwards instead of kind of like stepping up into the pocket. Yeah. So oh, that was cool. I thought he played great. Yeah. Why throw a twenty yard pass when you can make it a forty yard pass? Yeah. For twenty yards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Analytics love that. Yeah. Exactly. Now ten. Tampa, Philly. The flamethrower Baker Mayfield comes out and just puts on a show. I'll, I'll let Nigel take this one. Against the real Baker. pretenders, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, how, how did that game, how, how did that look? What you watch there? Well, what I saw was very first pass of the game. Baker Mayfield drops back. Flamethrower. Yeah, sorry. Flamethrower drops back. Chucks one into uh, into Mike Evans' hands. He catches it for a five-yard pass. What would have been a five-yard pass, but it actually propelled him 80 yards through the air when he caught it, and he scored a touchdown. I don't know what I don't know what happened. The, there was so much velocity on that ball from Baker that every time anyone catches the ball, it's bound to be a touchdown. The guy is just unbelievable. So uh, they're at least going to get 20 <laughs> yards after the catch. Yeah, exactly. You're you're going to fall forward for eight yards. And probably have a bruised rib every time you catch the ball from from that guy because he's just electric. Don't blink. Now that was that was a fun game. I'm I'm happy to see Baker Mayfield doing good. You know, his uh, he's uh, kind of had a rocky rocky uh, start to his career. Um, so I, th- I think it's cool for Baker. He's he's one of those guys that like I feel like everyone's giving him a, a lot of shit. Because he like kind of likes to be cocky and have a little fun with things. And he's the number one overall pick. Yeah, and he's the number one overall pick. Comes to the territory. Yeah, exactly. So he's gotten a lot of shit for that, and like some of it rightfully so. But I'm happy he's finally like finding some success the last couple of years um, with the Rams. Even like last year, he, at the end of the year, he was looking pretty good. And now, now with Tampa, like he's had a good season. So. Um, yeah, go go Bucks. They got the got the dub. The Eagles are pretenders, though. I, I don't know if that's like a good win. I think uh, Seahawks, Seahawks slash just the NFC West in general just broke them. The Niners, the, the Niners really the, yeah, the Niners exposed them. Exposed I feel like them. yeah. Their, what yeah. happened with Philly? Because didn't they start off ten and one to start the season? Something like they're definitely eight and zero. I think like to they're on track to to be in the first seed for the uh, NFC. It's that. Uh, it's that post Super Bowl hangover, man. It just it gets you sometimes. Yeah, I that seems like a convenient answer, other than the fact that, like Tanner just said, they started off like eight and zero or ten. True. I mean, I mean, True. I think they were ten and one, right? And then they lost five of their last six or something, or whatever the math is on that. Like, yeah, five of their last six, and they're ten and one. Yeah. So Super Bowl hangover, like that would mean that you would be a five hundred team through the first eight games or whatever and then whatever happens happens is like you didn't have a hangover you look like either the best team in the nfc or the second best if you like them because i mean the niners also had a three game skid you know when they were five and zero and then lost like three in a row while the eagles were still eight and oh you want my uh, conspiracy theory on this i'd love to hear that we love it's uh, <laughs> you want to give us a little alex jones yeah a little, little can you uh, use the alex jones voice while you tell us your conspiracy i don't know if i can use the why don't you alex try jones. why don't you try i don't i don't know if i can use the alex jones just one voice. little soundbite i haven't uh come on just give us something <laughs> i am sick and tired of them running the <laughs> the tush push okay <laughs> what about <Okay>. the frogs <laughs> No, I, my my theory though is that all these uh, tush pushes 
have just worn on the line or the O line over the course of the last year and a half. And like their running game has kind of been non-existent the second half of this season. And I think that's what has ultimately kind of led to their downfall earlier in the year. Like Swifty was running like a madman, like whoever, whoever touched the ball on that team, like whatever running back it was, was running like crazy. And then AJ Brown's open for a play action pass down, down the sidelines anytime they wanted. And so I think that it's kind of come out the last like couple of days that uh, apparently Jason Kelsey, like every time they called that play, he'd be like, fuck my life. Yeah. I heard that too. I I haven't heard that before, but I did hear that. And so I think that like, I think it was taking a toll on their O line, like that kind of like physical play. And they finally like have gone, went against some physical teams at the end of the year that just could out physical them. (laughs) And they just didn't have any juice left in the tank. Yeah, I got to think in following it that I don't know that this is really a conspiracy theory, but I feel like Hurts must have been really hurting towards the end of the year too. Because I mean, like we even kind of touched on this when the Seahawks played them, is that it's like he just looks bummed. Yeah, <laughs> like like he's in pain. Well, and like, that, and that's what I mean. Is, is that yeah. like yeah, it, it seems more like injury related as yeah. opposed to like yeah like he's putting a tough face. like he's putting a tough face on but for also it's like we pain. said this when the seahawks played him is it like jalen hurts looked like he could have ran for 10 yards every play against the seahawks but he he kind of did early in the game and then stopped running yeah which in my mind means you're you don't you don't feel he, good you don't want to get hit he was also he was also sick before that game because remember they were like thinking he had covid yeah that's that's and, a great excuse but yeah I, and and maybe he was, flew but in. He flew in like Monday yeah, morning by himself. By himself. Yeah, yeah I do remember that hearing game, that. So. That seems like a convenient excuse for that one, but also it seemed like that's how they played yeah, you could the have been last doing six treat, games. Could have been doing treatment for some other injury or whatever. Like you can say the guy has a cold. Yeah, he just didn't look like the same player down the stretch. Maybe and, maybe he has long COVID and uh, he's just been hasn't been the same ever since. Who knows? That's not very Alex Jones of you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a hoax. <laughs> One more Alex Jones for me, please. I am sick and tired of Philadelphia Eagles running the goddamn tush push. I think also. It's turning the frickin' frogs gay. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There oh, man. Feels like he's in the room. Um, I do think to, a little bit on the uh, on uh, Super Bowl hangover, too, is that it, it's odd because they won so many games early, but I, I think it shouldn't get lost in the shuffle that it's like this is what happens with every team that goes to the Super Bowl. You lose some players, more so they lost I mean the depth though. They're, well, their defensive coordinators now Gannon, the head coach of Arizona, and their offensive coordinator is the head coach for the Colts, right? Yeah. So it's like you lose Shane Steichen, you lose uh Gannon or whatever his name is. So it's like that that's tough. Yeah. It's tough to lose your O C and your D C like for any team. Yeah, I would say the the depth would, was the piece, but it did seem they got like a lot of every, aging players too. Like yeah. their best their best players up front are Cox and Brandon Graham, and like those guys are old. Yeah, getting I, old. That's why. Yeah, that's why I think it's like in the trenches, but because they still have you know they have Jalen Carter and they have um, what's his name uh, the other guy from Georgia, other two guys from Georgia, yeah. everyone from Georgia. But I feel like you didn't see them but, that much. Especially down the stretch of the season, which yeah, is kind of odd. Yeah, I I know they were making some plays there, you know, in, at the end, but I think I think it, a lot of it comes down to the O line, just like it wearing on them throughout the course of the season, and then they just didn't have it. 
Yeah, whatever. They were pretenders anyways. Not like a real team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's That's go. right. Flamethrower for life, baby. Yeah, upcoming games coming up this weekend. We got uh, – just give me your take on it. Who do, you, who do you see coming out on top on these games? We got Chiefs and Bills. Uh, Chiefs and Bills. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say we should out. do some uh, – we should do a Super Bowl pick too while we're at it. Like, yeah, we'll pick get the teams that. in the Super Bowl. Patience, child. We got to get to the NFC and AFC championship. I was say, why do I got to make my pick now? I'd rather do it when they're you're going to make Super it now. <laughs> yeah, you'd rather do it when it's two teams. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel a lot better about my chances if there's only two teams remaining. All right, well, let's start off with this, Lukey. Tell me, <laughs> that's you math. Like it better when it's fifty-fifty. Yeah. Let's start with this Chiefs Bills. Who do you 50, got in that 50. game? I like the Chiefs. I think I think a lot of people are high on the Bills right now, and for good reason. They've been a hot team, but also the Chiefs have kind of had the Bills number, at least in the playoffs. I, I think the Bills did beat them earlier this year, but I like the Chiefs for all the reasons I kind of said before. Still got a good defense, and you got Patty Mahomes. Feels like a game that uh, Josh Allen's been on fire lately. Feels like a game that he goes out and throws a couple picks and comes back to reality a little bit. If they do win that game, though, I like the Bills as my Super Bowl <laughs> champion. So uh, I was going to take the Bills in that game. So oh, perfect. I, I think that's going to be. I think that's the game of the weekend, though, right there. From what I'm looking at, might be the game of the playoffs. Yeah that that seems like it's kind of it your, has been before. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it kind of seems like that's your uh, your. 49ers, Seahawks, NFC Championship yeah. games—the actual best two teams. Like that—that that game kind of seems like it's the, it's the one there this I year. I would like to see the Bills Mafia come on top on this. I'd like to see the Bills finally make it to the Super Bowl. It seems like every yeah. year we're teasing that idea that it could happen, and it seems like the Chiefs are always the ones getting in the way. So it'd be cool to see them just take. Yeah, I mean, I would year. like to see the Bills win, but you asked me who I think is going to win, and I think the Chiefs are going to win. Kickoff at game time is supposed to be twenty degrees. That's going to be a balmy. That's gonna be a, a battle royale between those game between those teams. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, they're both built for that weather. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that uh, I think that's gonna be a fun matchup. So as a, I'm gonna sidestep real quick. Is Josh Allen the MVP this year? I don't think he had a good enough regular season. I was, I was gonna say this as a hot take is that I kind of want to see like Dak Prescott win MVP just so <laughs> that'll it'll be the call to action that they need to stop doing the MVP before the playoffs start that like you got to at least give it one week of the playoffs just because it I mean just like is in well, the, it is a regular season award though I guess but like and like that's they, how it they is they do in, a playoff MVP right right but I, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, all. It's I don't even know. Though. Do they do a playoff MVP no, or they, they do a do Super, Super Bowl, Bowl MVP? MVP? Yeah, they don't and, do a playoff MVP. I mean, and you might get an AFC championship game, an NFC championship game MVP or whatever. But it's like, that's that's good and all. But, I mean, I just how many times do you see it, though, where it's like, that, that's where, like I said, I'm saying Dak Prescott because I think he'll get the most laughs out of it. But it's just like, maybe we should look at how we do MVP because – I mean, you see that across all sports that do it. It's like, I mean, Jokic didn't get the MVP last year for the NBA because it's like we've given it to him the last two years in a row and they've bowed out early in the playoffs. Yeah. And then, so it's like we need – and then they go and they win. So then it's like well, maybe he should have been the MVP because yeah. he clearly was that you play, you play in a sport that has a playoff system. So it's like isn't the most valuable player the guy that – I'm not saying you need to win the Super Bowl, but like you got to at least win one playoff game. Yeah. I think the playoff, or I think 
Football in general has proven, though, that it's not about wins when it comes to the MVP or the Heisman based off of the Heisman winner this year. Seems like right there was an example of, like, seemed like Penix was more of a clear cut and we're biased, but the guy actually went out and won games. He may not have had the best stats compared to Daniels, but. Yeah, MVP is going to be interesting. We're kind of getting sidetracked here a little bit, but it's interesting because I think this is the first year that NFL is doing Heisman-style voting now that it used to be you just cast your singular vote for who wins MVP and whoever has the most first place votes wins MVP. Now it's like a top five rank choice system. So whoever has the most points is the MVP. This is the first time they're doing it in the NFL. So we'll see how that shakes out for MVP. I mean, mean, Lamar's going to win. I was going to say Lamar's Lamar's going to win and he deserves it. probably the other one. No Brock Purdy anymore? What the hell? Why not Brock Purdy? Because he sucks. (laughs) What do you want from me? Uh, I'm not an MVP voter. You're not? Not yet. Soon to be. All right. uh, Next game we got up is Texans and Ravens. Who do you guys got in that? I got Ravens. Big win. I also have the Ravens, although the way the Texans played this last week, I mean, maybe they'll. I just think the Ravens' defense is going to be too much to handle for a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. Which is exactly what they said about the Browns' defense. Yeah. They have Lamar. The Browns, so the Browns have, though, the Browns defense has been spectacular at home. I did really, really bad on the road. It's true. They were like, I think I they think were like 30, thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say, in, I think they were last in, in the league in, in points on the road. I don't think that the Ravens are gonna have that same issue. I think the Ravens are gonna be agreed. I mean, I think the Ravens are gonna win, but the way the Texans played last week, I'm hoping that that's I hope a, they make a little it a game. spicier game. Yeah, I hope they make it a game. You would have guessed. A couple weeks ago, I think uh, I think Ravens defense exposes uh, Stroud in that game. It, but I hope I hope that the Texans do well. I, I'd love to see them. Love to see them. That's a good that story. Game. Yeah, I want to be unique. I'm going to go with the Texans. Texans are going to shock the world. Let's nice. go. Texans by a million. All right, now we got Packers versus Forty ers <laughs> Who do you got? Packers versus Forty ers I, I mean, I'm going to take Niners covering that nine and a half. Oh, all right. If we're doing it that way, I'll take the Packers covering the spread, not to win outright. I still think the Niners are going to win, but you said it's nine and a half. Yeah, I'll take Niners covering nine. I'll take I'll take Pack with nine and a half. Okay. If we want to shift a, I mean, I Ravens are also nine and a half point favorites over uh, over Texans too. If you want to, we're already past that. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take Pack plus nine and a half. Okay. But you you'll take you'll take Niners uh, straight up. Though. Money line on take Money Niners. Line, you take Niners. Yeah, I'm taking Niners on that too. The Niners just seem too good. I think I, they're going to overpower I do the want I do want to see the Packers win. I think it'd be really sweet to see Aaron Rodgers go on the Pat McAfee show and have to answer questions about how Jordan Love <laughs> and the Packers are playing in the NFC Championship game. That would be that would be spectacular. That would Honestly. be fun. Yeah. Honestly, the Packers that. have a great future ahead of them, though. A lot of young talent. I think they're the team. youngest team in the NFL. Yeah, right they now. are. Are they? I mean, it's it's actually pretty exciting to watch. And I don't know. Well, if Jordan Love plays like he did last week, then I think it'll definitely be a one-score game down the stretch. And so then it's anyone's game. But I think the 49ers defense are going to give him problems that the Cowboys were unable to do. All we're really concerned about Jordan Love is that he is my 15th pick of fantasy, which will be my keeper next season, which will make him my 14th pick. 14th round. 14th round pick. That's what we're really excited about for me is my fantasy team. It's pretty nice. Yeah, Tanner is going to win a fantasy championship next year. We got Bucks and Lions, a flamethrower versus Jared Goff. Who do you guys got in that matchup? Lions. (laughs) What? Uh, 
Detroit's favored by six and a half in that game. Didn't the Lions and Bucks play midway through the season, and the, and the Lions beat them like forty-five to seventeen? Yeah. Beat the brakes yep. off them, yeah. So um, do you think new you, new game? So yeah, like, do you really think the flamethrower is going to cool off? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Huh? Um, <laughs> huh? I'm going to take the Bucks in that game. Why? Because uh, he loves because, Baker Mayfield. Because because my guy Baker Mayfield. You take uh, so you're taking him straight you up. The flamethrower is going to yeah, take him straight though. up. Yeah, yeah. Flamethrower flamethrower has been on fire, and uh, I th- I think he. More, more importantly, though, that Bucks defense is is really good. I do, <laughs> think, I do think that D line for the yeah, Bucks is going to shut down exactly. their running game the, a bit more. The D line so is going to shut down, Goff. and exactly, it's going to be on Goff. And Goff, when uh, when the game is relying on him, historically, that has not been a good thing for them. So, uh, or for Goff at least, for any t- any team that Goff is in in charge of, so. If it's between Goff and Baker Mayfield being the ones making plays, I'll take Baker Mayfield in that scenario. So I'll I'll say uh, All right. spicy. I'll say I'll say I'll take Bucks on that. I like the Lions in this. I mean, I like Dan Campbell. I'm hoping the best for them. I, I want to see the Lions come out on top. But it would be a funny story too to add along with that if the Bucks end up going to the uh, will that be the AFC Championship NFC. NFC or NFC Championship? Sorry. Uh, it'd be kind of a funny story with Tom Brady retiring the year before, and then immediately Baker Mayfield comes in as his, his replacement and takes him, takes him back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the storyline is great regardless, is because you got two former number one overall picks and Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. By rule, one of them has to win, so yeah. you're gonna have a nice redemption story for either of them. Baker's is a little bit more rocky. I mean, Jared Goff has at least been to a Super Bowl before and he's had some success, but. Still, I mean, he's a guy that was cast aside and kind of thrown in to that deal. So if he had an opportunity to bring the Lions to the NFC Championship game when they hadn't won a playoff game in 32 years or whatever, like, yeah. it's a good storyline, whoever wins. So, like, I'm excited for that game. I, hope, I was just going to say, I hope it's a good whoever, game. whoever wins that game is probably who I'll be rooting for to make it to the Super Bowl. Not, yeah. Whether, whether or not they – I like the Ravens, too. Yeah. I like the, I, I like also, to root I like Lamar and I'll, so yeah. I'll be rooting for the Ravens yeah, but exactly. yeah definitely in the NFC whoever wins that game yeah that's my that's my my rooting interest as a fan Lion, I'd, I'd Lions like to, by seventeen I'd I'd like to see I would love to see the Lions go just for the Detroit storyline but I got I got to stick with my guy all right Nigel you wanted it let's go Super Bowl prediction who's your Super Bowl champion by the end of the season um I am well. I'll. How about I predict uh, who's in it, and then I'll predict the winner for now as well. I think that's the correct way to go about yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm gonna say. No, I don't want you to. Do that. <laughs> I'm gonna say that it's gonna be uh, Niners Ravens is my prediction, and I will say that the winner will be the Ravens. Shitty picks. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, that's probably what I would have went with, but since you went with that, I feel like I got to go slightly different. I'm just trying to decide. I really want to put the Lions in there, but it feels very difficult to, out of those four teams to pick somebody that's other than the 49ers because they just feel like they are head and shoulders better than definitely the Packers and the Bucks. Lions are the only team that in my mind, stack up against the 49ers at all. Yeah. But I'd still probably take the Niners. Ooh, I'm torn. I really want to put I really want to put the Lions in. 
But I'm going to go 49ers. And then on the other side, because I don't want to go exactly, even though I do think the Ravens are going to make it, I'm just going to go with the Chiefs. I'm just going to go with the Chiefs. I think it's a good thing. I was talking a big game about how they're going to go take care of Buffalo. And so we'll just we'll just keep it running. Chief, well, Chiefs Niners, I think that's a rematch from just a couple years ago when the Chiefs beat the Niners, right? Yep. And so Jimmy G and couldn't, then, uh, couldn't make the throw to win the game. And then Porn Star Jimmy. But I think I will take the Niners to win it. Niners to win it. Niners to win over the Chiefs this time. Niners this time they're just too hoist the Lombardi. Brock Purdy MVP. See, this is why I don't like predicting right now though, is because like <laughs> I probably would have told you that the Niners were gonna win last year. And then Brock Purdy got hurt, and they're playing Christian McCaffrey at quarterback well, in, the, it, in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. That it's like that prediction gets busted if honestly, if anybody gets hurt on these teams, like anybody consequential, even if Debo gets hurt, I'd be like, I don't know if I, all of a sudden I like the Lions a lot more if Debo can't play. Yeah, you know that guy's huge for the well, team. We or, can make or we can make predictions next week too after the games. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> every week we'll, we'll, we'll just, do it week by week. We'll scrub. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you do predictions. New ones every week, but yeah. for now. We'll get a chance to amend amend our picks. I won't need to. I'm going to go Lions-Bills. Lions. Seems like that's a that's the ideal. That would be that seems like the NFL script written out for you right there. Yeah, if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and and, and say that that's uh, that is the perfect script right there. Be a fun game, but I'm going to take the Bills over the uh, Lions in that Super Bowl. Bills over Lions. I love it. I do think that is the ideal matchup. Yeah, that would be that'd be a fun that'd be a fun Super luck. Bowl just for for viewership purposes. Like I can Those root fan for, bases I can root for both. Yeah, I can root for both teams. Like either either side, whoever whichever uh, whichever uh, team has more supporters at the part whatever oh. Super Bowl party I'm at, I can choose the other team and still feel good about it. How many uh, Ford F one fifties are going to be in the water if uh, if Detroit wins? <laughs> How many flaming tables are going to be dove through if the Bills win? God. Can you imagine that that Super Bowl celebration? Yeah. Either one, yeah. Either one of those uh, parades would be. I might just have to fly out. <laughs> <laughs> get fl- get flewed out. Well, we can get go live now with yeah. the podcast, so we can be live. Yeah, we just pack this baddie with yeah. us. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm going to give you guys the choice. I don't know how we're doing on time right now. We can go We're in. golden on time. We're golden? We got all the time in the world? Do you guys want to go into the coaches for the Seahawks, potential coaches? We kind of already beat that one up last week. I mean, there is some news with that, with who's been requested for interviews, or we can go right into our uh, best and worst takes of the first season of the podcast. Let me give you guys the choice. This is a democracy. Yeah. All right, let's take we'll a little be break. Back after the break. We're going to think it over. Uh, we're going to go over to one of our sponsors, and uh, we'll be back after the commercial break. And we're back. So we decided during the break that we're going to go ahead and push the coaches, uh, potential coaches for the Seahawks conversation up to next week on the next episode. So we're going to dive right into it with reflecting on the first year of the podcast. We're in 2024 now. We're about to hit our year anniversary of the podcast. This is episode 23, and we're going to talk about the best and worst takes of the first season. Let's start off with the best takes that we had. I know we have a lot of them. 
<laughs> yeah, this this part will be short. Um, dur- short during sweet. the during the uh, commercial break, we were really uh, racking our brains to try to think of any good takes that we had. Maybe maybe the listeners can be kind uh, once they've listened to the pod and remind us of anything smart we said. Um, I mean, I think our overarching best take of the year, in my mind, and maybe it's not that hot of a take when it was, but. I think we all had confidence going all the way back to when we went to the spring game for the Huskies and definitely before that it's like this team is going to the playoffs. Yeah. And I think we were also pretty confident that there's no reason that they if they make the playoffs they should have a chance to go win it all. And they did. So I think that's our best take easily. Yeah, that might be our only good take of the year honestly is that we were uh biased husky fans that always say that the huskies are going to <laughs> going to the playoffs i don't know and that, for, i don't know and, for have... one, and finally for one year we were right <laughs> wow well yeah well i don't know that yeah. we're gonna be saying when we get to spring to ball the... next year we're like, right now we're saying yeah i don't know there's a lot of question marks but we, we're gonna watch the spring game and be like this team is fucking great <laughs> that's the best that is yeah. the best coach team i've ever seen yeah exactly jed fish has been there for two minutes and they're yeah. already ready to go back we want alabama <laughs> <laughs> I think another take, though, that we were also discussing was I feel like you guys put AR-15 on the map. Like, I didn't hear anything about him leading up to it until you guys start talking about that. He is going to get drafted a lot higher than what people are predicting. So I give you guys kudos for that one. Yeah, we shot him up the boards for sure. It, on that. it had to be us. Yeah. Was, and you are right about that because I remember, I think, it might have been our first podcast where, you know, early mock drafts had him maybe going nine to the Panthers. This is before they had traded up to the first. And I know Nigel yeah, I and I were the first yeah, to be I like, I don't think people, he'll make yeah. it that far. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people were thinking that that was crazy that he was even up in the even top that 10. High, yeah, yeah, I think he was he was kind of down on the in the 20s type of guy. Um, so, yeah, he, he shot up the boards, which was not surprising. Probably Wasn't, us. And I know definitely that was an early take, which I do think was right. And then even further along is that, Leading up, I know that we wanted, or we had at least advocated that I hope the Seahawks draft him at number five, but I'd said it then, it's like, I don't even know he'll make it to number five. Yeah. Which he didn't. And jury's still out on whether, and I never said that I thought it would be that AR-15 is going to come in and be the greatest player you've ever seen, just that I would have liked to see him be a Seahawk, and unfortunately his career got, or his season got ended early, so jury's still out on whether or not it's a good pick, but... We were definitely boots on the ground on uh, moving him up. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Tyree Wilson. Yeah. I mean, that was one of, again, I thought the NFL draft might have been one of the few places where we had a few good, a few decent good, takes. Good takes is that, uh, yeah, because I remember early mock drafts all had Tyree Wilson going like number five to the Seahawks. And we had kind of joked that it's like you can't have two defensive players from Texas Tech on your roster. Like, they don't play defense there. And I don't have his stats in front of me, but I do remember specifically it had to be more than halfway through the season. He was yeah, like, I asked you about this halfway through the season. Like, what happened? Anything you ever hear his name? I, and, I thought and it you, was – I think you looked it up and he had zero – He had zero QB pressures, I yeah, think, through zero like pressures, 10 zero games. Zero tackles, zero <laughs> – yeah, I don't know. He had zero tackles, but I think he had zero QB pressures through like eight or ten That's games he in was, the season. He was just eating up all those guys for Max Crosby to to and maybe take, maybe know? maybe uh, 
Tyree He's a real Wilson team thing. guy, Tyree maybe, Wilson. Yeah, maybe somebody else who's a bigger fan of him be like, oh, no, the stats are lying. But I don't know. I thought it was a bad pick then. Doesn't seem like it's a good pick now. So he's still got time. I mean, Classic Raiders. It's one season, so who knows? He's still got plenty of time ahead of him. But I feel good that the Seahawks didn't draft him, at least based off of his tape this year. Yeah, and then the last good take that I have that this was – Kind of mine, but a combination of Luke and I, because we talked over it together. But when we were talking about fantasy football leading into into the NFL season, uh, Jordan Love, we were talking about how I think he's going to kind of shock some people and end up being a valuable quarterback for not only for real football, but for fantasy football. And although my fantasy team was definitely a bust this year, <laughs> um, I do think that the one good thing that came out of that was that my belief in Jordan Love that he could be a quality quarterback, and I think that going into fantasy football next year as a keeper, he's going to be uh, a solid quarterback to have. And overall, I mean, guys had a good season. He had a good first appearance in the playoffs, and we'll see what happens this week too. Yeah, I mean, I think if thinking back to our conversation about it, is that he kind of said that it's like it was kind of a mirror mirror from like Brett Favre right that he gets old and the team doesn't they draft Aaron Rodgers as a replacement and then they don't want him so then he goes to the New York Jets and it's like time is a flat circle like it's just everything's happening (laughs) over over again but I think kind of our overarching point from it though is that like the Packers have basically had a really good quarterback for the last 25 30 years like Brett Favre Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love, which, I mean, too early to say that he's great or anything, but he's had a nice season and had a great playoff performance last week. But it's like the Packers kind of know what they're doing in this regard. So if they're trusting him, like, we should trust them, trust them as fans that they know what they have. And so only time will tell if he's truly the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. But one year in, like, I mean, I'm sure if you watch football, you saw the stats where they're kind of comparing, you know, his first season to Aaron Rodgers. And, like, he's got better numbers than Aaron Rodgers did one year in. Yeah, it seems they're, like they're, he really, they're pretty comparable. He really came into his own in the he got second better. half of the year. I think, like, I think the lights were a little bright to start the season. but it, they, they showed it in the game that I think from week 12 on, he had the highest passer rating in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, had some early season struggles, and their team was struggling too, and then – started to figure some things out midway and then had a really strong finish to the year, which what more are you asking out of a first-year starting quarterback? Yeah, I mean, like we said, the Packers know what they're doing when it comes to to their quarterbacks. And even to add on to what you were saying, they believed in him enough when they still had an Aaron Rodgers to pick him up in the first round over giving Aaron Rodgers talent to work around him. I mean, yeah, they saw a future in him, and they're, it's so far capital. They're just, what they decided to do is capitalizing right now. It's working for them. Yeah. All right, that was it for uh, good takes. <laughs> yeah, I would love it if any of our listeners, if they want to remind us. Oh, Nigel had one oh, other. I, I had one other. other I had one, one other, other that, that I that I had five good takes. Maybe uh, we have actually two more. I think uh, number one or the one I had was I told you all Purdue sucked in the uh, NCAA bracket and they lost one seed, lost a 16th seed, um, and I I told you Zach Eady was a was a flop and that. Uh, he was gonna suck, and he did. So I'll take that was, that was a good call. Yeah, I'll t- I'll take credit for that one. 
I don't think I really had any other Most good picks. Most podcasts aren't of, brave um, enough to predict a 16 over a 1, but Nigel's <laughs> yeah. that fucking crazy. I'm, I'm a maniac. Ooh, I actually just thought of another one as you were saying that. Sorry to interrupt, but Luke... You have been right on this every single time. Tell us about Iowa when you're betting. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're, yeah. you know you're right. Yeah. I, I, Iowa, yeah. Iowa, Iowa in the under. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Yeah, that's I, been... I, it's, you know, I didn't make enough money to retire, but had a few fun bucks come my way from uh, slamming the Iowa under for about four weeks straight until, you know, well, I, for, uh, for <laughs> legal reasons, I won't say why I stopped betting on them, but... Uh, yeah, Iowa under. I mean, I'm not going to claim that I came up with that. I just, but I did. I gave you, I gave you the keys to the car if you were listening. <laughs> yeah, and was was winning some some parlays by throwing that in there with some other little things. I think uh, the other good take we had was that uh, that Taylor Swift and and uh, Travis Kelsey. Not true, in like. Yeah, not in love. like true love. True love. love. I heard. I heard that uh, that they're gonna get get uh, married this summer. Or, or no, 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 no. They're getting engaged. Getting this engaged summer. this summer. They're announcing that they're getting engaged. They're pub- I thought you got engaged. No, their publicists have already talked it out, and like everything's everything's lined up now. They were. Is this part of the NFL script? Um, Who plans an engagement? <laughs> rich people. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone plans their engagement. It's just not usually public knowledge. That uh, that you're doing it, you but know, even like usually you... it's just like between your your bros or something. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna marry this girl. You don't like, you don't tell, you know, national television. Yeah, but what couple too. like is like announcing to like even to their friends or family like, hey, we're Do... going to get engaged this summer. It's Do... happening. It's usually like a, a spur of the like. It's usually a surprise when it happens. Taylor is not going to be caught off guard for these things. Okay, she needs to be ready. Mm. Tay Tay. Um, yeah, so we we saw that though, true love, right there, and I think we called called that 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 was a. Honestly, it's the marriage that America needs right now. It really is in these dark and trying times. We need a an all American family like Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift to really uh, bring some light back to this to, to this country to distract from the lack of good takes we had this year. <laughs> I do want to bring up a topic. Did you see that Tony Dungy? It was Tony Dungy, I think, had said. That uh, that the Taylor Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey mostly Taylor Swift is uh, what 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 was the word he used is like disenchanting football fans from liking football. Did you hear this? That's a hot take. <laughs> I did not early did early not. running for worst takes in in 2024. That you you know like at Brett Favre said basically the same thing too. So when those two guys weigh in, you got to listen. That's true. Uh, it kind of said a couple that of God-fearing boys like that. Taylor Swift is ruining football. It's not. It's not that the Chiefs game is streaming exclusively on Peacock, and and that honestly the product most weeks is just not that entertaining. A football. I wonder it's how many Taylor Swift. How many Swifties uh, subscribed to Peacock this last week? Do we have a number? Do we? Have, did anyone reach out to NBC to see new? Uh, I did new see that were specifically Swifties between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five. I didn't see those numbers specifically, but I did see. Now again, I got this off Twitter, so you know you should believe it. <laughs> Trust <laughs> it. But I think Peacock was kind of saying like, or boasting that's like we had twenty-three million viewers, which I gotta think has got to be up there for most views on a solely streaming platform yeah for any program I'm like wow that's great we had 23 million like blah 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 and it's like 
every other NFL game was like 25 to 30 million viewers. But that's more of a Still, comment on I mean, how the NFL is just a unstoppable juggernaut. Yeah, that's that, just how like, you keep pushing it forward because you get you get those Swifties to uh, subscribe. They yeah. need to see Tay Tay up. In it's the, the future. It's the future of watching football. Like, yeah, that's why they're just slow rolling it to you right now. But pretty soon you won't be able to watch. You might get a Sunday night game and a Monday night game. You hear that, boomers? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know. I know Tanner's dad's gonna be fucking pissed, but <laughs> he doesn't listen. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I, let's yeah. get Mike no, on. Dude, I mean, he's gonna be he feels I, about Peacock. I mean, he's gonna be pissed once it becomes reality that it's like maybe the Sunday night game is on NBC as it always has been, and the Monday night game is on ABC slash ESPN, how it's always been. Every other NFL game, you're going to have to buy a streaming package yeah. for your team or the whole package, like the NFL Sunday ticket. Like that yeah. is, That's what's going to happen. So they're just soft launching it right now to you, but that will be your reality. Honestly, I don't even mind that. <laughs> so it, we're getting off on a different tangent here. I know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to distract <laughs> yeah. from the fact that we don't have good takes. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to come up with new good takes. But, like, but I subscribed to the MLS package this last year and that gets every MLS game. And honestly, like it, it's not, if, if I could just do that for every like sporting thing and just get like basic cable that I, you know, probably wouldn't really watch and just have this, the streaming, you know, why do you even need basic cable anymore? Tucker Carlson isn't even on TV. This is true. This is true. <laughs> not, what do you watch? On, what are you <laughs> watching? Yeah. Nothing really yeah. outside of sports. Is Alex Jones yeah. on basic yeah. cable? No, Infowars is not on basic cable either. I don't no, soon enough, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, you don't even need you don't even need basic cable. That should be it's free with an antenna anyway, and then and then just get like pay for the sport like the sports teams or sports leagues that I want to watch. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, one thing I discovered though that's unfortunate. Like, I had the NFL package this year because I was out of town and didn't really have access to basic cable. And, like, they still had the blackout zones, though. Yeah. yeah. So that made it super tough. Like, I couldn't watch any Seahawks games. I th- I think that I, – I thought I read this the other day that the MLB is um, whatever their their streaming package is where you get the entire – I also had that, too. They're, they're, they're not doing blackouts anymore on it. There's no oh. more blackouts this year. I'll believe that when I see yeah, it. Yeah, I, I read that the other day, and I was like, is that – am I seeing that for real? But I'm pretty sure I saw that, that that's – um, this upcoming season, no blackouts on on MLB games. Maybe that will be the silver lining when it goes fully streaming. Is that they'll get rid of the blackout yeah. stuff because it's like we're putting it in a premium subscription package, so now we don't have to blackout games. Yeah, that's another big one. Did you see Amazon bought a very large portion of uh, MLB or rights to MLB games this year? I did not see that. They bought like Bally Sports or whatever, whatever it is. So it's like, I think it's a third of MLB teams are on some some conglomerate or part of that conglomerate. So all games will be on be on Prime. It's happening before your eyes, people. I wonder how much they're gonna still do on Apple TV because that was the thing they were experimenting too, right? With uh, with MLB games. I honestly like the Apple TV like setup. Yeah, I did too. Like, I think it looks pretty slick, and and it look you know it's sharp. It's it's commentary is good. Like 
it's kind of funky sometimes when they, <laughs> I think one of those those games they had, uh, and we talked about this on the pod too, but they had um, they had the Mariners um, commentary crew and the Astros commentary crew in the box together, like kind of kind of yeah. going <laughs> all all just going at it together, which was pretty interesting actually, just like because they were all off too because they're not you know not used to each other's cadences and have never worked with each other but it was kind of fun kind of fun to listen to just different all right we can't keep avoiding it we need the worst takes <laughs> ah, yeah no okay. i'm looking forward to the worst takes because i got a lot of them yeah luke why don't you start off by telling us nigel's worst take about christmas yeah. <laughs> Tell I, us about that. I was going to say that was my best take, honestly. Well, maybe that's why it's a good one to start off with, is that, I mean, obviously, jury's still out, I guess. I'm standing up for this, because I want to be, <laughs> be standing over the top of you. You have to look up when to me. When he starts say, yelling at yeah, us. Yeah, you have to look up to me to say this. Yeah, I mean, I think Tanner and I are still pretty steadfast that Nigel's take on putting up Christmas decorations was asinine. So, I thought that was a bad take, but it was good take for us yeah so that's another w for you and i yeah market <laughs> I, I could still could not disagree more with you um and that's not something we can argue about on another date but i th- i thought we got it just right you know we got the tree middle of december or like early first, december it was like first weekend yeah or, early december yeah. yeah that was i think we nailed it you get it was december 2nd or 3rd Lights were up. Of course, up. You, th- Tree of course was there. you think we nailed like, it. We did exactly we, what you wanted. I, yeah, I, th- I thought we hit it right on the head. It was perfect. <laughs> Great holiday season. Oh no, we everything we, uh, was fantastic. We dumped that tree, you know, like last weekend or whatever, and uh, it was she still, dead, dead. No, she still had life. It was dead, dead. No, nah, she had life. She was still green. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah, it was barely. She could have made it to February. those needles. Those needles, or she could have made it to the beginning of November all the way through. <laughs> There's no chance of that. Those needles were barely hanging on. I moved that sucker outside. It, it touched the touched the door, and about a thousand needles came off. Anyway, yeah. um, what other what other bad takes do we have? I'll, I'll get. I, I guess I got one for myself. Uh, still, I think this one's still up in the air. Remains to be seen, but we'll call it a bad take. That Jared Kelnick wasn't the, <laughs> wasn't the savior it, of the Mariners. That, is it up for debate yeah, still? I think it's up for debate still. What did you say? 340 <laughs> bombs or something like that? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Potential MVP. Yeah, potential MVP candidate. Three. You're really taking a victory lap, too, after that bombs. Chicago after <laughs> yeah. that Chicago series. Well, when he started off April with, like, nine dingers and, like, batting 340, I was feeling pretty good about that take. But... Uh, yeah, how many dingers did he end with? <laughs> like twelve. <12? laughs> yeah. Well, that's because that's Yikes. because that uh, that that water can came out of nowhere on him, dude. He got jumped. Jerry made him punch it. Yeah, he got jumped. All right. Yeah, Jerry makes people want to punch things, so I guess I will give him a pass in that regard. I think Nigel somewhat gets a win on that one because if he didn't punch punch that water cooler, or sorry, he kicked it. If he didn't he kick that water cooler. Maybe he was MVP. We don't know. <laughs> also, do, I feel pretty confident yeah, that we, we don't know. know this. Do we know that he wasn't jumped? Because I've heard this story before with someone kicking someone, um, and they were jumped, I'm pretty sure, and then they mm. kicked him and got hurt. So I, I, if you're listening, <coughs> Jeff Van, you might know what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, What was the worst take, though? Was it Nigel's Jared Kelnick take, or was it me with 95 wins for the Mariners? Because <laughs> I don't know. 
I think another one too would just be the fact that we thought the Mariners were serious contenders to potentially get Shohei Otani. He was going to the yeah. Dodgers the entire time. Bad year to be bullish on the Mariners. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> e seems, me. That's, that seems uh, all those seem like uh, when you look back at them hindsight, it just seems very. Uh, you know, I still think they're contenders for Otani. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got all that deferred money, so if you could trade for him now, it's pretty cheap. Can you can you trade for him for the next three years and then send him back to the Dodgers, and then they still have to take on that seven hundred million or something at the end? That's a great. And question. you get the two million a year. Let's get Jerry deal. on. Yeah, because <laughs> I'd make that deal. You make that deal. I don't blame you, man. Damn good deal. Thinking that maybe the Mariners would get Juan Soto or just get anybody. <laughs> So far, which, I mean, I guess they still could get Bellinger and Snell, and maybe it's not completely wrong, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they were aggressive, and they got the nuke, so we got that going for us. And yeah. they got Mitch. So. Two Mitches. Yeah, they got they got Handy back, so, I, you know, to not call them aggressive is, is a little harsh. We aggressively... Got, we aggressively got rid of Marco. Uh, that, there's another one. Uh, probably a bad take by me. Uh, no. <laughs> having, don't, don't say it. Having, uh, having the utmost faith in Marco uh, last season and uh, saying that he was going to be the bulldog and uh, take the Mariners to the playoffs. Uh, you know? It's, it's I've really, never heard so much honesty from it's Nigel. It's really hard to, uh, to admit it. But you're still not wrong, dude. Sometimes bulldogs take naps. Okay, he'll be back next season. <laughs> yeah, let a sleeping gonna... dog lie. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get him back, and he's gonna be better than ever. Now, I think that might have been a bad take. If, if I had to look back on it, hindsight. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I got another good take that we had. If we want to jump back to that, the Gina was gonna suck. How, how did we forget that? I think we said that. Uh, all coming into the year and and uh look what he did he proved us right yeah i mean i think we're all in agreement there i don't know i guess i have we need more listener engagement i want to see if everyone if our listeners feel like gino really sucks i think everyone thinks gino sucks i think that's the exciting thing about this whole new setup though is that hopefully by next week we can start taking callers Caller, you're on the line. <laughs> Tell us how our takes suck. Caller <laughs> number one, what was your least favorite take of the year? All right, that's for sure a segment we should do next week. <laughs> we'll keep this going. This is only part one. Yeah, yeah tracking back to the draft, I know I know that uh, I think I said I wouldn't take C.J. Stroud and wouldn't trust him, so I think I can put that up there as one of my worst takes. Although, I'd still say jury's out. He's had a good year, but. A lot of guys have one good year. I mean, same with like Jordan Love. You know, like he had one good year. We'll see if he can follow it up. But I think I was pretty, pretty adamant that if if he made his way down to the fifth spot for the Seahawks, I wouldn't want to see the Seahawks draft him. Where now, given the way he's played this year, I'd say if he was available at number five, the Seahawks would look like dummies to not take him, especially with how much we don't like Geno. So I'll admit to that one. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really pay attention much to uh, college basketball, but the other one I thought of, too, is that you just put a lot of time and energy getting your brackets ready for March Madness, and it seemed like that was kind of a flop. So <laughs> yeah. that could be another uh, another uh, L yeah, on the board. Yeah, I don't know how I'd say I put a lot of time and energy into it. But he put a lot of energy into I it. I probably should have put a little more. But <laughs> last yeah. year was a bad year for most people's brackets, though. Yeah, I feel like, like all the, all the top was, teams lost early, and it was – it was kind of a I wild was, I was also banking big on Arizona. And yeah, so was they I. lost in the second round. So that That's a bad take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one good one in in the bracket and then a lot of bad ones. Yeah. Got any other really bad takes that we had? I mean, there's a ton of them. It's just... They, <laughs> they of, all run together because they, they happen all, yeah. so often every week. <laughs> I'm searching. Stand by. Stand by. Stand by. Don't worry, I'll vamp here for a second. I don't know if we ever said it on the podcast, but unfortunately the Huskies losing the national championship was a bad take that we may have not have publicly said on the show, but technically we were wrong, so there's another L for us. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to beat myself up too much on that one. <laughs> I've already beat myself up on that. <laughs> yeah, I've had a bad enough week. I don't need to have had enough self-loathing the past two weeks or whatever so and all during dry january good god yeah seriously shane had a really good take this year on kirk cousins so that was cool <laughs> about chapstick yeah is that like, a, is that a take or, an, or just a general observation i don't know i never observed it until he said something so i'm gonna i'm gonna look at it as a take yeah okay okay uh, i'll give you that <laughs> what what was the quote on that again like he wouldn't go in public with lips that chapter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something to that tune. Did you see? Uh, did you see? Uh, Reek Hill tweeted that out after the game. Like I think he had some super chapped, ashy lips oh, during yeah. that I did see super that. cold game. And he's like, he's like, he tweeted it like in jest at himself. Was like, whoever let me out of the house needs to uh, not let that happen. Basically, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had, was pretty. He had pretty another good, good tweet too because that. Uh, Oh, Jarius yeah. Sneed or whatever, like, cracked the shit out of him on one of those and, like, knocked him over. He's like, he blocked me into Cancun or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty funny. Yeah, that, that is pretty Give good. credit to Reek for having some yeah, having so, a little, uh, humility little, there. Yeah. Have and, some fun with it when you lose with grace, unlike UCF. <laughs> yeah, horns down. Horns down. Yeah, we got anything yeah. else, Tan? I don't got it. I can't find anything else right now. I really wish we could just find individual sound bites, and maybe we'll get to that point where we can do that in the future. But man, it's tough. We we put a good run on it this year, boys. Yeah. Well, don't worry, everyone. Season two, you're in for a lot more bad takes. Yeah, it's only going to get worse from here, guys. You're stuck with us. We're going to keep this uh, train rolling. Well, anything else we want to cover? It was a it was a good it was a good first year. Hopefully, hopefully everyone had a good time. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for everyone listening. Yeah, and I mean, with that said, I, yeah, thank you for all the listeners and the support that we've gotten this year. We hope that we can continue to get better. As we talked about in the beginning of the episode, we got newer equipment that should help out with the show. We're hoping to get more fan engagement, get some callers on, potentially try to do some of these shows live. I mean. We'll see what happens. Don't want to get things. I don't want to set the bar up too high, but I think that we have pretty good future ahead of us with this we're going to keep it going and um hopefully try to make the show better and better as we go on truly we do appreciate the support 
Yeah, number one goal for 2024 outside of having better takes and stuff is hopefully getting more listener engagement, giving the people what they want, getting them getting them on on the pod a little bit more, whether that's callers or guests in general. Hopefully, you know, get this thing rolling. Yeah. Last year was definitely a test run year. So hopefully learned a lot and uh, just like a young rookie quarterback, you know, you got to go through your growing pains, but then hopefully hopefully our first, our first, you know, five weeks of the season weren't our best, but back half of the year we were, uh, you know, most yards and points in the NFL. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't think we talked about new year's resolutions, but I think we need to have one as a show. Chris, we need to send you your little lunch pail <laughs> and your and your little gift package. It's for, still sitting there. Like, we have it. We have I it. Swear. It's sitting upstairs. Like we have it. We've got the swag. And boy, there. you're gonna love it. Yeah, there is some real gold in there. <laughs> real gold in there. All right. Well, I think that's all we got this week. Shorter episode. We'll be back with you guys next week. Until uh, then, we'll have the hay in the barn for now. But uh, more, more playoffs. 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 Are you kidding me? Just trying to win a game. See ya. See ya. See ya.